Good morning, adventure. Thank you for coming. I'm so excited to bring this message today because I am quite convinced today I will offend more than one person. Yeah? Anybody easily offended? Are you? Okay. Because I want you to stick around because at the end, I really strongly believe that the Holy Spirit has given me a word for the Adventure Church. And God is doing a new thing. I was telling some, I was actually telling Noah and Miranda the other night, I don't think I've been this excited about what God is doing for a very, very long time. God is doing some crazy, amazing things. Kind of behind the scenes things, but stay tuned and fasten your seatbelt because I am convinced that the Holy Spirit is doing a good thing in us, right? Some of you are like, wow, if this is good, I can't even imagine what bad would look like. (laughs) It comes through trials. And we're going to talk about this today. But um, so today I called my message hashtag sorry, not sorry, because I'm going to talk to you today about something that is perhaps slightly controversial. And that is the fall of humanity. You know, there's a lot of psychologists and uh, humanists and, and actually even a lot of Christians that, that believe that we are born kind of like maybe either a blank slate or we're born morally pure. But today I'm gonna kind of bring some scriptures to you, a lot of scriptures to you that really refute that. These are all verses that point to the fact that we are not necessarily born morally good. Is this revelatory to anybody? I will never forget when I was just a brand new Christian, I was in this new believers class and the teacher, his name was Paul Foster, he's um, since passed away, but he brought this message out of Romans that said, there is no one righteous, not one, there is no one good. And I was like, what? And I was offended. I was highly offended because I thought I was pretty good. But that was before I actually knew who I really am. But I want you to hear this message and hear it from the perspective of the word of God, I I believe that this is the inspired word of God. Not this one specifically, but the Bible is the inspired word of God. Do you believe that? We, We talked about it a few weeks back. You know, we're in a series now called Credo, What We Believe. We need to know, as believers in Jesus Christ, I believe that as I say pretty much every week, there is the increase of wickedness. The love of most will grow cold and, and even the very elect will be deceived if that were possible. And I believe it's so critically important for us in this generation, in this world, to know what we believe. So that's why we're systematically covering all of the beliefs that come from Foursquare, which is our our covering, our denomination, which is interdenominational, and also what we believe at the Adventure Church. And so um, what we believe here is not necessarily so unique from the rest of, um, I would say, mainstream Christianity. We just have different flavors. And that's kind of how I like to describe it to people who are like, why are there so many denominations? And I'm like, well, why are there so many kinds of music? right? 
It's preference. You know, some people believe certain things and some people believe certain other things. But as we get into this message, I really want, and, and if you happen to have a paper Bible, I strongly recommend bringing it. Because I don't know if you're like me at all, but I probably have a little bit of ADHD. And if I get on my mobile device, I just get so distracted. You know, your notifications pop up and then you forget, oh, that's right, I'm in church. And so I just encourage, bring your paper Bible. Um, I have my notes written down here, but they all come from here, but um, just so that I don't spend a lot of time flipping through the pages. But this first verse sets the tone for everything else that I'm about to say. So I really want you to pay attention to this. This is in Genesis, which is the first chapter of the entire Bible, starting with chapter one, which is the first chapter, and verse 27. And it says, please hear this. So God created man in what? God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God, the Imagio Dei. He created them, plural, male and female. We are created in the image of God. Now I'm gonna say some stuff that's, that may come across kind of harsh, I'm gonna actually read some stuff that's coming right out of the Bible that may sound a little bit like, oh, that, I don't like that. And that's okay. That's okay because, like I said, at the end, I really believe the Lord has something really special that he wants to speak to us. Okay, so the Old Testament is basically a chronicling of the history of how stupid people are. If you want to sum it up, that's pretty much what it is. I mean, when I, first, when I first started reading the Bible, I didn't really have anyone walking with me, teaching me about it. And I would read some of this crazy stuff, like this father-in-law sleeps with his daughter-in-law because she dresses like a prostitute. And then, you know, and then he gives her like his signet ring and his staff. And he, you know, and then later on when she comes out, she's pregnant. He's like, oh, you've been, you've been acting like a prostitute. And she's like, well, yeah, but guess whose baby it is? I mean, stuff like that. And I would be reading this thinking, wait a minute, this is in the Bible. So like, is this Okay. Or, you know, I mean, just crazy stuff like that. And we're gonna talk about, really, the Old Testament, it says about the Old Testament in the New Testament, it says that it is just a way for us to learn how not to act to a large extent. And there is just the chronicling of just one foolish person after the other. There's a few really good ones, you know, that, that like, don't, there's nothing bad that they really do. Of course, they do something wrong because they're human. But man, even through just Genesis, it's like, oh my gosh, people are so stupid. And so, are, so am I. So I mean, I'm not, I'm not judging them. But as we go through Genesis, so it says we're created in God's image. Yes? Nudge the person next to you and say, you're created in God's image. But when we get to chapter three, it all starts to unravel. This is where it's called the fall, which is not a season. It's the fall of humanity. So the whole story is, okay, God created 
this garden for people to live in, Adam and Eve, they've got it made. It's a perfect place, beautiful place. They have everything they need, absolutely everything that they could ever need. And God says, this is all yours, enjoy, enjoy have anything you want. You, you ever go to somebody's house and they're like, hey, you know what? Help yourself to anything in the fridge. It's all yours. You know, anything you want to do, just make yourself at home. That's basically what God was saying. You know what? Make yourself at home. He goes, the only thing, there's just this one tree. It's, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just stay away from that one, okay? Just, I don't want you to... I don't want you to eat from that one, okay? Sounds pretty basic, huh? So what do they do? <laughs> what do they do? <laughs> they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What? Why? Now, I'm not judging them because honestly, we all think we wouldn't have done that, don't we? We're like, I wouldn't have been that stupid. Sorry, if you have little kids in here. That used to be the S word in our family. Stupid. But really, we, we are no better than Adam and Eve. So if you read that and you think, oh, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, you would have. So anyway, so what happens? They eat from, the, the, from this tree and that is when shame enters the world. Because it says, Adam and Eve hid from God. <laughs> Another one, it's like, come on, people. You're gonna hide from the creator of the heavens and the earth? Like, he's not gonna know where you are? But they hide from God because they feel ashamed. Because they know that they've, they've done wrong. And so they hide from God. And so then, all of a sudden, they hear God walking. And God's like, Adam, where you at? <laughs> and, and Adam's like, oh, well, um, well, we hid from you because we were ashamed. And God's like, dude, why? He goes, well, we were naked. And so, and God goes, starting, this is Genesis chapter three, verse 11. Then God asked, who told you you were naked? Because God's like, I'm pretty much the only one that tells him anything. You know who told him, right? The same guy that causes us to always question God's word, always question God's character, and always question who we are in the Lord. And that is a serpent, a snake, who came to Eve and deceived her so that she ate. Now, keep in mind, it does say Eve, it doesn't say that Eve sinned, it said Eve was deceived. So that's why whenever the Bible talks about it, it says that sin came through Adam because Adam actually went into it with his eyes open. He knew what he was doing was wrong. She was deceived. He was rebellious, okay? And so who told you you're naked? Did you eat from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? Now, do you really think God needed to ask them this question? Of course not. He knew. God already knew. But he wanted a confession he wanted maybe to see some humility and to see, but instead, Adam does what many of us do whenever we're busted or whenever we're guilty of something, he deflected. He says, um, <clears throat> well, the woman you gave me, the woman you gave me, 
he's deflecting rather than just admitting it and going, you know what, I'm so sorry, Lord, I shouldn't have done that. I was wrong, I, I was wrong. No, it was her fault and it was your fault because you gave her to me, okay? Says a woman you gave me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree, so I ate. And the Lord asked the woman, well, what have you done? The woman also deflects. She says, well, the serpent deceived me, so I ate. So the Lord said to the serpent, because basically everything's fallen on the serpent. Who's the serpent gonna blame? No one. So the Lord says to the serpent, because you've done this, you are cursed more than any livestock, more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. There's so many things I could say right now, but I'm showing restraint. Then he said to the woman, now this is the curse for women. Remember, Jesus came to break the curse. Okay, but this is the original curse. And he said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. Your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. Then he said to the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The, cur- the ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. This is the curse of work, of striving. And it says, the ground will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground since you were taken from it. For you are dust and you will return to dust. So this is where it all goes wrong, the fall. This is where sin entered the world, shame entered the world. Okay, guilt entered the world. But it says in Romans 5, verse 12, it says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death spread to all people because, please read this with me, all sinned. Okay, sin is not a popular word. We, we have a lot of euphemisms for the word sin. We call it like... Um, personality disorder, or we call it um, like a nationalistic thing, like, well, you know, I know I'm angry, but I'm Irish, so. Almost like you don't have a a say. Or, yeah, I know I'm a little stern, but I mean, I'm German, so, right? We like to make excuses instead of just going, no, I am unkind, which is sin, okay? My, uh, I have a really dear friend. She always used to call sin really bad sin. She'd call it sin with two ands. Sin. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, therefore, just as sin entered through one man, death through sin, in this way, death spread to all people because we have all done what? Sin. Yeah? If you think that you haven't sinned, you are deceived. We have all sinned, every single one of us. And it says, okay, moving on in Genesis, okay, things get really, really bad. The world is completely wicked. God's like, I'm gonna do over, okay? So he does the whole thing with Noah and the flood. I don't know if, you, if you've ever read the story. It's an amazing story about God floods the entire earth. And then he gives a rainbow and says, I'm never gonna do that again. But the only people that were saved were Noah and his family, 
okay? And because it says in Genesis 6, verse 12, God saw how corrupt the earth was. For every creature had corrupted its way on the earth. I am so thankful for the rainbow. I'm so thankful for that symbol that God is never again gonna do the flood thing because if there was ever a time I would have thought God could have done the flood thing, it would be right now, right? There's so much wickedness going on in our world. It's so sad. So as I mentioned, the Old Testament or the entire Bible is basically the story about how people have sinned against God and how God keeps wooing them back. They keep sinning. God keeps drawing them back. They keep sinning. God keeps drawing them back. This is basically the story of the Bible. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of how God is so persevering. God is so long-suffering. You look at some of, the, some of the characters in the Bible that are clearly wicked. You've got Cain from the first family who kills his brother. Okay, that's a dysfunctional family right there, right off the bat. We start out with a dysfunctional family. One of the brothers kills the other. Then you've heard the story of Samson and Delilah. Well, Delilah messes Samson's life up in a bad way. She is a wicked woman. Then you've heard, have you heard of Jezebel and Ahab? Woo, pure wickedness. And then there's all the kings who demanded that people sacrifice babies to the God of Moloch, which is still happening today. Babies are still being sacrificed and it is the same demonic spirit. Then there's Haman who just wanted to destroy everything of Mordecai, because Mordecai won't bow down to him. It's all found in the story of Esther. Then there's the Pharaoh who kept the Israelites for years and years and years and wouldn't let them go into the promised land. Then there's Herodias in the New Testament, this woman who offers her daughter up to do this lewd dance for this pervert. And then she just wants John the Baptist's head on a platter Wicked, and then there's a guy called Alexander the metal worker. We don't know exactly what he did, but it says that he did us great harm. I mean, there's just so many examples of wickedness, but then there are also these examples of people who do wicked things, but they end up getting restored, which is so sweet. So there's, there are Joseph's brothers. You remember the whole story about Joseph? If you've ever read the story of Joseph, poor Joseph, man. You know, as I read through that story, though, the one thing I keep seeing, if, if you ever read that story in Genesis, it's like over and over and over, just entwined in that story, it says, and God was with Joseph. And God gave Joseph favor and God was with him. I love that. Especially when I'm going through a hard time, I love to be reminded that I am not alone, that God is with me. God's going through it with me. But Joseph's brothers, they, were, they did some pretty wicked things. Some of them wanted to kill Joseph. Some of them are just like, no, let's not kill him. Let's just um, say that he was killed by a wild animal and we'll just you know, like, tell our dad that that's what happened, but we'll actually sell him so we can get some cash. And so then they sell him into slavery and then God prospers. Joseph and his brothers end up bowing down to him ultimately and they end up restored. Yay, and then there's David. You've heard the story of David, King David, who lusted after this woman and ended up killing a guy. I mean, 
But he was a man after God's own heart. And then we see in the New Testament, Saul of Tarsus, who was notorious for killing Christians. And then he becomes Paul the apostle who writes two thirds of the New Testament. I mean, it's crazy how God is so long suffering and so redemptive, he, he draws us back. But it says in Psalm 51.5, if anyone ever tries to tell you that, that we are not innately selfish, I mean, if you think about it, the whole birth process, when a baby comes out, they come out demanding. <laughs> right? Sorry if you weren't ready for that. They come out like, give me what I want and give it to me now. I mean, I've often heard it said that if babies weren't so cute, we would never keep them because they're little tyrants, right? They keep you up at night. They make you clean their bottom. I mean, they just demand food. It's like, we definitely wouldn't keep them. It's a good thing God made them beautiful and cute. But you think about it, we're born and it says it, 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 says it in Psalm 51.5. Get this now. Psalm 51.5. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. Hadn't even had a chance to make a decision and you're already guilty. Because of our nature, because of our flesh, our sin nature, it says, I was sinful when my mother conceived me. A little zygote is sinful, right? <laughs> this is our struggle. This is our struggle. We are born with this selfish, wicked, evil flesh that wants what it wants, when it wants it, and it doesn't care what it has to do to get it. This is really what's within us, naturally. Who's offended? Anybody? No? Nobody's offended? You just don't want to tell me. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Romans chapter eight, verse seven. It says, the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. I was just talking with uh, Michael Hershey, our children's pastor. We, he's teaching on the 10 commandments today. And I said, you know, really, it, it would have been okay to just have the first two because the others should definitely follow. If you're, if you're following, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, you pretty much aren't gonna murder them, right? Or steal from them, or commit adultery, hopefully, right? But that is what's important to God. But the mindset of our flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law. And I want you to read this with me. Indeed, it is... Credo. We believe. <laughs> that wasn't what I was going to say. We got it now? Okay, anyway, I'm going to just say it and then you repeat it after me. It is unable to do so. Say that. It is unable to do so. The flesh cannot submit to God. Cannot. We have all turned everyone to his own way. That's taken from Isaiah 53, 6, where it says, we all went astray like sheep. Y'all know sheep are dumb, right? And that's what we're compared to, sheep. They literally, they, they say of sheep that a sheep can get caught in a fence and not figure out how to get out of it. Like just sit there. Like they'll just literally just sit there. <laughs> 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 I 
We all went astray like sheep. We have turned to our own way and the Lord has punished him. The Lord has punished him, Jesus. It's talking about Messiah who was to come for the iniquity of us all. Say that, for the iniquity of us all. Galatians 5.17 says, get this, this is our flesh. For the flesh desires what is against, opposed to, or opposite of the spirit. And the spirit desires what is against, opposite, opposed to the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that, you have it up there? Read this with me. You don't do what you want. You don't do what you want. This is the human condition. This is our struggle because we're created in the image of God. So there's a part of us that wants to be reconciled to our maker. We wanna be reconciled to the one who is good. We wanna be reconciled to the one who can help us do good, do things that are right. There is a struggle within us, but we are bound in our flesh by shame and by guilt and by wickedness and selfishness. That's just our condition. That is our struggle. And it says in Galatians 5.19, if you ever wonder what the, what the acts of the sinful nature are or what the works of the flesh are, it says they're obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity. Now, moral impurity covers a lot of things. This covers like greed and pride and all kinds of things. It's not just sexual, but all kinds of things that are immoral. Promiscuity, idolatry. Do you know what idolatry is? It's whatever you think most about. Whatever you think the most about. If you think the most about money, you're bowing down to money. It's your idol. If you have a relationship or the desire for a relationship and that's all you obsess over, that's all you think about, that's an idol. Whew, it's quiet. Sorcery, which is like anything that's you know, involving black magic or involving anything that's trying to tap into an evil power. Hatreds. Anybody seen any of that recently? Strife. Anybody seen any of that? <laughs> Hostility, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Come on, everybody's hand should be up right now. Okay, what's an inburst of anger? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Anybody ever had one of those? Some of you have those and you get ulcers or cancer. So I would recommend deal with it. But anyway, um, that's called an inburst of anger. Selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions. This is division. This is the, it, this is the condition of our nation right now, is division. Major division. And the problem is we have the sinful nature working against unity. We have the sinful nature that will keep us from ever being unified because this is the acts of the sinful nature. Selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. So that pretty much covers up anything else. I'm warning you about these. And as I warned you before, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
Let that sink in for just a minute. Now I'm imagining it probably stirs up the question, well, I do some of those things. Does that mean I'm not saved? Does that mean I'm not gonna go to heaven? Does that mean that I, I, I'm not gonna inherit the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God? No, because Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins. But if you continue down this path, it's either evidence that maybe you don't really have the Holy Spirit, like you don't have that conscience that tells you not to do those things, or that you're in bondage and you might need some help to step out of that bondage. But ultimately, if you know the Lord, if you are saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, you will not continue to practice these things. Right? And you won't inherit the kingdom of heaven right here. You won't inherit the kingdom of God right here if you continue to hold on to the things of the sinful nature. It's almost like you've heard the story, maybe you've heard the story of the, you have two dogs, you have the 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 white dog and you have the, I'm not gonna use that, that could go wrong. Uh, let's talk about weights. <laughs> let's, say, let's say you just work one side of your body all the time, right? You just keep working the one side. What is gonna happen to this side? It's gonna get all carved and pumped and strong. Okay, let's say this is your flesh and then you've got over here, you've got your spirit. Whichever one you feed the most is gonna get the strongest, right? Right? Okay, because it says in, um, where is it? In Romans 20, or one verse 20, it says, for God's invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. This is talking about how nature is evidence that there is a creator, that nature even boasts about who God is. And it says, and as a result, can you read this with me? People are without, okay, let's read that again. People are, okay, let's go back to Genesis 3. Adam and Eve, oh, it's the woman you gave me. Oh, well, it's a serpent. The serpent's like, (laughs) always deflecting, blaming everyone else. Oh, well, you know, the reason that I do what I do is because I had a really painful childhood. Or, oh, well, you know, I am justified in the way that I'm acting because my husband is mean to me. Or I, you know, um, my parents did, they were never there for me. So that's the reason. We make excuses for why we sin. Do we not? Do we not? We make excuses for ourselves rather than just going, you know what? I blew it. I was wrong. I just totally sinned. I'll tell you, you know what? I struggled for so many years not being able to confess my sin. I don't know, there was some deep-seated insecurity in me that just made me think that if I were to confess honestly what my sin was, or sins, I should say, <laughs> that like somehow there was a defect in me that, that was unredeemable or something. I don't know. I don't know what it was that drove me, but it was pride. Okay, it was pride. But I could not confess my own sin. 
I mean, it took an act of the Holy Spirit to really help me. And now I realize it's so much easier to just go, you know what, I blew it. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. Can you guys practice saying those things? I mean, they just come out so, I was, I was, I was mistreated as a child. (laughs) You know? No, I was wrong. What I did was selfish. What I did was wrong. I should have never done that. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Can you say that right now? Can you say, I am so sorry. Can you say, please forgive me. That is what is called confession. Confession just means to agree with God. It means to say that which is the truth about who you are, about your position. It's that easy, guys. I was wrong. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Practice saying those things. It becomes so much easier. And then you don't have to stand there and make excuses like, well, I was a woman you gave me and it was a serpent. You don't have to do that stuff. You just go, you know what? I blew it. I'm wrong. I was wrong. And if you can come to terms with the fact that you have this selfish nature, sinful nature, it sounds like I'm being so judgmental up here. If you can come to terms with the fact that we have this sinful nature, this selfish nature, no matter what trauma has happened to you or what hardships, or even if you were abused as a kid or molested or defiled in any way, there is still hope. Okay, you do not have to be under that for the rest of your life. There is help and you can be delivered and you can be set free through the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? Can we just applaud the Lord for his goodness, for his freedom? All right, I'm getting there, guys. Okay, Romans 5, 19 says, just as through one man, who? Who is it? Adam, one man's, look at the next word. (laughs) That's not Jesus. (laughs) It says, for just as through one man's disobedience, who is that man? Adam's disobedience, just like we would have done. We would have done it too, okay? Just through one man's disobedience, many, aka all, besides Jesus, were made sinners, It says, so also through the one man's obedience, which man? The man Jesus Christ, God who became a human being. It says, just as through the one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. You know, a lot of times people will complain that God's not fair or that some of the things that God does seem unjust. But when it comes to our own sin nature and our own selfishness and our own Um, flesh, we want mercy, not justice. Because what justice would say is that because we have sinned, we need to pay that penalty. But instead, Jesus said, no, I will pour out my mercy. I will pay the penalty. I will go to the cross for your sins so that you can be reconciled to your maker. Amen? Amen? This is the good news. You know, there's two kinds of religion in the world. 
There's the one kind of religion that says, you have to do all these things right, you have to be good, 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 do all these works, 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 and then maybe you'll find out if you're saved, if you're good enough, if you, if you measured up to the standard, which is actually the standard of perfection, so ah. Then the second kind of religion is Christianity, which says, God will step in and he will pay the price for you. And all you have to do is believe that. That is Christianity. That's the good news. Jesus Christ offered himself as a living sacrifice. He offered himself so that we didn't have to get what was due for our sins because we're born with the sin nature. I know that I tell you guys this a lot, but it says... In Romans, Paul is talking and he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? That's what our flesh is, a body of death. Thanks be to God. Jesus Christ is the one who will deliver us. Jesus says in John chapter three, you must be born again. So here's our dilemma. There's the fall We all have struggles, we all have a sin nature, we struggle with what we wanna do but what we can't do, but Jesus offers us the solution. He offers us the answer, you must be born again, born of the Spirit, born of the Holy Spirit. And that way, when you surrender and you're filled daily with the Holy Spirit, filled to overflowing, it becomes easier to say no to self, no to the flesh, no to temptation, no to wickedness. Because you recognize there is nothing better than you. It's true. I I was telling this young lady that's sitting in the front row, I said, yeah, I've tried them all too. And (laughs) I vote no on everything in the world. All of that stuff It all leads to death. But life with the spirit of the living, breathing God, he has offered to fill us to overflowing so we can resist temptation, we can resist sin. We can say no to ourselves and our selfish nature. I really believe that the next section that I'm gonna share with you is a prophetic word from the Lord that he gave me when I was praying over you and over me. Um, it's in Genesis chapter 32. And it's a story about a guy named Jacob. Now, Jacob means deceiver. Jacob was kind of a scoundrel. He came by it honestly, because that's how his parents were. But Jacob was a deceiver. That was his reputation. And he deceived all kinds of people. He did all kinds of things. You can read about it in Genesis. But here's Jacob. And he is, it says that, He was left alone. This is uh, Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. And it says, and Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated the hip. Then he said to Jacob, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. Now get this. Jacob, he replied. The man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. It will no longer be scoundrel, deceiver, sinner, evil. It will be 
Israel. I apologize to anybody who's named Jacob. God has redeemed the name, sorry. (laughs) God has redeemed that name. (laughs) But it says here, it will be Israel, which means to contend with God. It means to wrestle with God, but it means also to triumph with God. (gasps) What? Here, God dislocates his hip. And he says, I'm going to change your name too. This is the point at which Jacob goes from being fleshly to being a man of righteousness. And it says, Jacob says, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. Now this is what is called a theophany, which means like a visitation or an appearance of God in some form. The man was God wrestling with Jacob. And now it says here, he could not defeat him. So people have often wondered, well, why, if he's God, why couldn't he defeat him? But this is what, this is what God does in us too. You know, there are those of us, and this is what I believe is, is what the Holy Spirit is saying. There are those of you and you're wrestling with God right now in some area. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's that you, that you have never come to know him, that you're, you're rejecting him, I don't know if it's because you're afraid that if you surrender your whole life, you'll lose control, which you will. Or if it's, if it's you're angry at God, you're just disappointed with God, you don't understand how he could have let some of these things happen to you. Or if it's a sin that you just, you don't, you're not ready to let go of it yet, you don't hate it enough yet. I don't know what it is that you're wrestling with. But I want to just say, God might have to cause you to be broken. As a matter of fact, that is the only way to blessing is through brokenness. You know that it says in Isaiah, it says that that Jesus or Messiah learned obedience through the things he suffered. Suffering is part of the process. Brokenness is the path to blessing. So when God has to come in and dislocate your hip, he doesn't do that to be rude or mean or unfair. He does it so he can change your name. So he can change the way you walk so that you will understand you are completely dependent on him. And that is where you find strength. You will not find strength on your own. You will only find strength in him. Amen. And I I believe, excuse me, Jesus wants to change your name today. He wants to change your name from wounded. He wants to change your name from abused. He wants to change your name from greedy, from lust-filled, from bound from abandoned, from rejection. And he wants to change your name to triumphant one. One who triumphs with God. He wants to change your name. He wants to take whatever it is that you're wrestling with him over. And he wants to turn it around and he wants you to have a new name. That name is victory in Jesus. Amen? Anybody up for that? 
Or do you just want to keep wrestling? McGregor. <laughs> Sorry. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And listen to this, you guys, hear this. And we were by nature children under wrath. This is how we are described. As the others were also, basically as everyone is besides Jesus. And it says here, I love this. This is a big but. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy, say rich in mercy, because of his great love, say great love, that he had for us has made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses and sins. You were saved by grace. All right? Amen? This isn't to say that the reason that you're saved is because you were good enough, you did everything right, you just did all these good works. That isn't how it works. That's the other religion. The religion, religion of Christianity says, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left its crimson stain, but he washed me white as snow. Amen? All right, if you wouldn't mind standing. Um, I want to say something too. We talked about confession. I want to just say admitting something is not confession. Okay, like saying something like, oh yeah, sometimes I know I can, I can tend to be, you know, a little selfish. That's not confession. Okay, confession is I am selfish. I, am, I, I choose me most of the time. Or it's not like, yeah, well, you know, sometimes I, I just run across some stuff on the internet. It's like, no, I am evil. I am filled with lust and I need a savior. I need deliverance. And Jesus has promised he will set you free. There is freedom. You do not have to believe that you're gonna be bound for the rest of your life. Amen? Anybody? Any, I'm not gonna ask that question. Never mind. <laughs> Remember, blessing comes through brokenness. I want you to think right now, what is the thing that you're wrestling with God? What is the thing where he needs to come in and dislocate your hip? Is it pride? Is it greed? Is it lust? Is it selfishness? Is it rebellion? What is it? What is keeping you from the blessing of having him change your name to overcoming one? Can we just let him come and dislocate our hips right now we're not going to do anything weird so those of you who are here for the first time we're not going to so father we come into your presence and we thank you for your word we thank you that your word is truth lord we thank you for all the examples in the old testament lord so many of which we can relate to lord God, we thank you that we were by nature objects of wrath, but Lord, you who are rich in mercy because of your great love have offered us this great salvation. Lord, we thank you that we can be born again of your spirit. We can be filled to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, right now, we just come before you and each one of us individually, Lord, we confess to you that thing that you put on our hearts, whether it's an idol or whether it's just wrong thinking about who you are or about your word or about who we are. Lord, we just bring it to you. 
And we, we wanna just let you either dislocate our hip or Lord, we just say uncle. <laughs> Lord, we surrender. We surrender, Lord. Change our names, Lord. Cause us to be victorious. Cause our names to be triumphant and free and filled with joy and hopeful. In the name of Jesus. Lord, and I know there are those here today and they have never said yes to you. They have never offered themselves to you. They've never received the forgiveness that you offer on the cross. They have never asked you to forgive them. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would move in their hearts. Lord, that they would say yes to you this morning. Lord, that they would no longer wrestle against the knowledge of the Holy One that they would surrender. If that's you this morning, I just wanna ask if you just slip up your hand. Everybody else, keep your eyes closed. If you'd slip up your hand and just indicate, yes. Anybody else? Anybody wanna receive the forgiveness? Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, we would love to pray with you either the person who brought you or um, one of our leaders or pastors. or Father, we thank you for these, Lord, who are saying yes to you, who are allowing you to change their names. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, you would open up your word. Lord, you would show them what the Bible has to say about who they are, but most importantly about who you are and about that great love and that that mercy that is so rich. We pray, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you would pour out your spirit. Lord, and I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, for this family, this adventure family, this church, Lord God, you would put it on our hearts to reach out to those who are lost, those who are hurting, those who are in despair, those who are hopeless. Lord, I ask that we would truly learn what that means to bring good news to those who are broken and weary and hurting and depressed and suicidal and in despair and in bondage, Lord. Give us hearts of compassion. Help us have a spirit of boldness to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, and we thank you for your freedom. Amen. Can we applaud the Lord for his goodness? We bless your name, Lord. Bless your name, Lord. Well, I want to thank those of you who are with us online and for those of you who are here. If you have never come to a pastor's dessert, I want to just invite you to come and meet us. And um, we would love to just share our hearts with you. And God bless all of you as you go. Take somebody out to lunch. Do some relational kind of thing. Okay? Amen. Amen.